0: Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Joe Denisy. I am the campus minister here. And uh, this semester, we're going through the Sermon on the Mount. And just want to reiterate that I realize that when we, when we sit in a room like this, we're not all coming from the same place spiritually. Uh, certainly, that means denominationally, but more importantly, that really means maybe you don't know what you think about religion at all. Maybe you don't know what you think about Christianity at all. And I want to say thank you for coming. Um, Maybe this felt like a risk to come, so thanks for spending your Thursday night with us. You had many things you could have been doing, including nothing, and you chose to come and be with us. So thank you for doing that. Uh, Like I said, we're going to be looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is some of Jesus' most famous teachings And tonight we're looking at what's called the Beatitudes. And Beatitude is really just a fancy word for blessed are. So we're going to hear that word over and over again, blessed are, blessed are. What's a Beatitude? These are Beatitudes. So why don't I read this for us and we'll get started after I pray. And Jesus opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this beautiful basically cloudless day that we've had, and we thank you that you've brought us here tonight, and we ask that you would speak to us, that you would dig out for us ears to hear, that you would give us eyes to see, and what we want to see, whether or not we know it, Lord, we want to see Jesus, we want to see him as more lovely and more believable, and we, we really need your help for this. So help us, we pray. Amen. So what do you think it actually means to be blessed? What's it mean to be blessed? If anything has helped me with my understanding of what it means to be blessed, it is the social media hashtag blessed, right? Uh, It's amazing to me actually how significant, how ubiquitous this hashtag is. Uh, Whether it's serious or sarcastic, whether it is without awareness, hashtag blessed, hashtag blessed. It's everywhere. We see it everywhere. I think that makes us hashtag blessed, right? I took it upon myself to peruse this particular hashtag recently. At C. Kurt Stevens says, love this gal. 25 years ago we said I do, can't imagine my life without anyone else or with anyone else. Uh, I definitely outpunted my coverage. Hashtag blessed. That's actually kind of sweet. At BernieBoy9 says, happy to announce I am the new Hawkeye, the male Hawkeye athlete of the year. Hashtag blessed. That's okay, a little self serving. At Tillian says, when you have enough songs that you have to Google your own lyrics to relearn them. Hashtag blessed blessed <laughs> I think I'm gonna be sick right <laughs> what is hashtag blessed it's confused if it's if it's anything right? What is it I mean, sometimes it's legitimately grateful. Often it's a thinly veiled humble brag you know what a humble brag is right? Often, It's a socially unaware statement, and it's probably the mixture of all three, maybe even a few other categories. Anyway, hashtag blessed is everywhere, as as we've said, and NPR ran a story earlier this month entitled, hashtag blessed, is everyone happier than you on social media? Mm -hmm. Have you ever wondered that? They reported that someone on BuzzFeed asked on Twitter, post a picture of yourself where you look great on the outside, but on the inside, you were dying. And it exploded. Pictures coming from all over the world, all sort of age gap, socioeconomic backgrounds. I look great in this picture and I'm dying on the inside. And many of them have hashtag blessed. It's, in fact, it's crazy how common it is to post something that says the exact opposite of what you're feeling on the inside i feel empty scared alone did you post something that looks anything but hashtag blessed researchers are now saying that those of us who spend the most time on social media are three times more likely to enter into a state of depression and so if social media has highlighted anything for us it is how much we actually want blessing, how much we want the good life, even if we don't use a cliched hashtag. In our culture, we actually often project what we think blessing looks like when we don't feel it ourselves, when we don't feel like that on the inside. Our passage tonight actually poses the question for us. What if true blessing does, in fact, actually come from a place of emptiness? What if real blessing actually comes where you don't feel like you're put together? It sounds completely counterintuitive, and yet it's exactly what Jesus says. Like I said earlier, the the Beatitudes, the the blessed R's, they're the blessed R's, but what they do, a lot of people read them and they think, They're describing what it looks like. How how would I be blessed? Here's the list. Do these things and I would be blessed. But that's not what Jesus is doing at all. He's describing what it looks like to be blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? This is the description. This isn't how do I get blessed. Rather, it describes what does it look like to be known by the blesser. That's what blessing is is to be known by the blesser last week we saw how jesus is the king he's ushering in his kingdom and so if you want true blessing we have to learn what it looks like to kneel before this king we must learn to listen to him speak to us truth as he is the last great prophet but we have also got to realize that we need him to be a sacrifice for us as he lays his life down for us as the last great priest. This is where we start to find what it looks like to know what blessing really is, to be known, to be loved by the blesser. And so it's here in the Beatitudes that we find a true snapshot of what it actually looks like to be blessed. Again, it's not a how-to. I've, I've realized this more and more. Start paying attention. So many slogans that you see are kind of how-tos. Cane trucks, I've been seeing those around town lately. They get my attention because their slogan apparently, it's on all the trucks, be kind, be careful, be yourself. Which sounds awesome, except it doesn't make any sense. Like, what if myself isn't kind or careful? How can I be myself? Um, it's... Just sort of a guilt trip. Be kind, be careful, be yourself. That's not who I be yourself. Okay, I'm kind, I'm careful. That's not how the Beatitudes work. It, they work a lot more like the Marine Corps slogan: the few, the proud, the Marines. They're not telling them to do anything, they're just simply stating that's that's who we are. There's few of us. We're proud, we're Marines, like the end, right? <laughs> be one or don't be one, right? <laughs> The Beatitudes aren't telling you how to be blessed. You're just saying this is what it is. Blessing is this. Blessing is not something else. So tonight what we're going to do is we're going to look at the Beatitudes, and it's an overview, it's a snapshot of what kingdom character actually is. And you might think, you can't go through the Beatitudes this fast. The rest of the Sermon on the Mount is sort of an explanation of this. Everything that Jesus says in snapshot form here, he's going to revisit what does it mean to be poor? What does it mean to be pure? What does it mean to be... He's going he's gonna to spell that out later. So a 10,000-foot view tonight, a summary of the Sermon on the Mount right here in the Beatitudes. What is the blessed life? What does kingdom character look like? And there are three groups of blessings described here, and they're a progression. The first four describes our relationship with God, an emptiness. The second three... Describe what God does in us in the lives of others. And then the last two, describe what God does in our life through others. So our relationship to God, what God does in our life through others, and then what God does in the lives of others to us. That's kind of what we're looking at. And what all of these have in common is they describe our character. They don't prescribe, right? Descriptive, not prescriptive. So let's start with verse 4. Jesus is saying all blessings from God hinge on this first beatitude, right? This is the foundation, the bedrock. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What he's saying is important. If you've ever felt like you were empty on the inside, you might actually be on your way to blessing, not running away from it. It feels counterintuitive. Tim Keller says, he's a pastor in New York City, he says, Most people are not poor in spirit, but rather they're middle class in spirit. What people think of themselves, they may not use that word, but we are middle class in spirit. I have resources. It's like someone who thinks they're a good singer, but they're not. And then they audition on national television in a singing competition for the whole world to sort of say, This isn't your thing. You're not any good. I am so good. You're not good at this. We're laughing at you. We're not laughing with you, right? That's what we're doing. Don't act like that's not what you're doing. Are you kidding me? Middle class in spirit sounds so much better than being poor in spirit, but middle class in spirit projects blessing. It doesn't receive blessing. It projects blessing. And you can't receive God's blessing unless you realize there's nothing to project. I need to receive blessing from the blesser. In Luke 18, Jesus tells a story. Let's try and put some feet on this. Luke 18 reads like this. Jesus told this story to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous, and they treated others with contempt. And he says, two men went up to temple to pray. One man was a Pharisee, that's a church leader, and the other man a tax collector, a known sinner. And the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed like this, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, I I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get, right? You can almost see him, like take a selfie, hashtag Blessed. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, that is, blessed, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Do you see it? The sinner, the one who knows he's a sinner in this passage, is a picture of the first four Beatitudes. He is poor in spirit. He mourns his sinfulness. He is meek. He is hungry for righteousness because he knows that in and of himself, he simply doesn't have any. There are sins that he has committed that he knows, and he's committed them not just against people, but against God. And so here's the thing. Both men, objectively speaking, are poor in spirit, right? Some people know they can't sing, and some people think they can, right? All people objectively are poor in spirit, but only one of them knows it. Only one of them is blessed. He knows he's poor in spirit. He's not projecting blessing on anyone, and this is why you really can't accept Jesus' teaching. We talked about this last week. You can't accept his teaching without accepting who he really is. Because if all you are after is good teaching, you're middle class in spirit. You have what you need. You just need to tweak. You need to tweak your life with some resources. There's no poverty there. I'm fine. I just need to find the right teaching. We can't accept his teaching unless we really accept who he is, the Savior of those who are destitute in spirit. If you're middle class in spirit, then you won't ever mourn over your sin, and you certainly won't hunger and thirst for true righteousness. You'll look more like the tax collector, and you'll say to yourself a whole lot, maybe even in prayer, glad I don't look like this guy. He's a wreck. That makes me not poor. And you won't pray, not real prayer at least, prayer of the kingdom, prayer that honors the king, because prayer that honors God, prayer that God delights in answering, is prayer that comes from poverty of self. I am empty before you. I have nothing to offer you except brokenness kind of prayer that flows out of a poor heart, a broken heart, a hungry heart. That's real prayer. And so the first four Beatitudes describe what people in God's kingdom look like, that is they know that they're empty. And what makes Christianity unique from every other religion, what makes Christianity unique from every other worldview is that it's not those who are good enough that are blessed. It's not those who are good enough that get saved. It's those who know that they aren't. It's those who know they are empty and need to be filled by someone else. This is, because, this is why Christians talk a lot about salvation is by grace alone, by faith alone. We have nothing to offer, nothing to earn it. And so God, what we see is God doesn't draw near to those who are put together, who think they're put together. He doesn't draw near to projections of hashtag blessed. He draws near to hashtag poor, hashtag broken. I'm not telling you how to do your Instagram. Someone's be like, I can't ever use this hashtag again. That's not the point. But if you've ever felt poor and you've ever felt broken, what Jesus is saying is, I've got good news for you. Because those in the kingdom who have nothing are actually the ones that God calls. And the ones that he equips to serve in the lives of others. If you want to love other people, you have to realize that you're poor in the first place. How can empty people love? God draws near to those who are empty. God draws near to the brokenhearted. He draws near to those who need mercy. And the odd thing is he actually gives them mercy that they extend to others. He makes those who receive mercy merciful. The mark of someone who's received mercy is that they become merciful. And so he draws near to those who know that they are are poor and they are mourning and they are meek and they are hungry, and he promises to give them the kingdom. And he promises to comfort them, and he promises an inheritance, and he promises to satisfy them. So the Sermon on the Mount shows us the character of those who belong to the kingdom, what it really looks like. And so chances are, if you're in this room, if you would be willing to go to a campus ministry at Penn State, you're the kind of person that at least wants to be a good person. I want to be kind to other people. I want to be maybe even merciful to somebody else. Even the middle class in spirit want to be good people, want to be kind. Here's the thing. Jesus' kingdom is all about loving others. It's all about being kind. It's all about being merciful. But you can only love others in this way if you have first been loved this way. That's what makes the gospel so special, so unique. Of course we got to be kind. Of course we got to be merciful. But we don't have any kindness or mercy to give unless God gives it to us first. So God blesses us by meeting us in our emptiness, and then he fills us. And so it's characteristic of those in God's kingdom that they are loving. They're poor, they're empty, but they're also loving. And what Jesus teaches here and elsewhere is that if you know how to love truly, it's because you've been loved first. And the the clear implication is this. If you would really love others, if you would really be merciful, if you would really be peaceful, you have to be poor in spirit. You have to understand that you already are. In other words, if you come to a point when you re- that you realize that unless God fills you with himself, you can't love anybody else. You have to see that if you wanna live in the kingdom. But when you realize this, God will fill you with mercy, he will fill you with purity, and he will fill you with peace. Now, here's what's beautiful about this passage it challenges two types of people. Really, the only two types of people, mostly. One kind of person says, loving people is the most important thing that there is, and it really doesn't matter what you believe, just love people, okay? We should be merciful, of course we should. And the other kind says, what you believe is supremely important, in fact, I have a hard time loving and being merciful to people who disagree with me, right? It doesn't matter what you believe, just love. Or it matters so much what you believe that I can't love those who disagree with me. And Jesus says, this is a false dichotomy. Kingdom character cares profoundly about what you believe and who we ought to believe in, but also profoundly believe in loving people. You can't do one without the other. In fact, if you only have this but know this, that's not kingdom character. And if you only have this, but no this, no heart and no mind, that's not kingdom character. Jesus is challenging all kinds of people by saying, you need me to do what you want to do, that is love others. My teaching and who I am are inseparably linked. Your character has to be both pure and merciful. Merciful. So how do we go from being poor in spirit to being pure in heart? Martin Luther says, I'm going to read this twice, watch and ponder what God says and replace your heart's ideas with the word of God. Watch and ponder what God says and replace your heart's ideas with the word of God. You see, kingdom character is marked both by a heart That is learning how to think like the Bible and its martyrs being merciful to others being a peacemaker in other words how we think about God and how we act in his name are both extremely important and one is not more important than the other Jesus says this combination will often lead to persecution and persecution happens all over the world. It can happen in America. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen in America, but it's not happening in America when people say happy holidays. That's not what Jesus is talking about, right? If somebody says happy holidays that is not persecution. Let's just get that on the table because there's real persecution for people of faith, Christians in particular in the world. But he he's also not he's not mincing words. If you have a kingdom mind, and a kingdom heart, you will experience hostility and rejection even if it's mild. Even if it should never make the daily news, you will experience it. Again, all of these ideas are going to be fleshed out in the weeks to come. Here's what he's saying. If you have the kind of faith that can hold on to King Jesus even in the midst of great opposition, what that means is you've been blessed. God has blessed you. If you can hold on to him when others are beating you, you've been blessed. Only he can give that kind of sustainability, that kind of faith. And so at this point, you might be thinking, Joe, I'm probably not poor in spirit. (laughs) I'm probably middle class in spirits. Um, Joe, uh, (laughs) I'm probably thinking to myself right now that there are people that I argue with about truth who would never characterize me as merciful. There are thoughts that often run through my mind that I would say lots of things about, but they're anything but pure. I'm not merciful to people that disagree with me. I'm not pure in my thoughts. I don't have the willpower to drink moderately or to turn off Netflix. How in the world would I hold on to Jesus if actual persecution came my way? And do you know who asks these kinds of questions? The poor in spirit. Do you know who asks the kind of questions of, I don't think this is me? Poor in spirit. Middle class in spirit don't ask these questions. Those who are beginning to thirst for righteousness because they don't see it in their own lives are poor in spirit. Those who are asking these questions are learning to mourn over their sin. They're poor in spirit. Blessing is not for good people, but for the poor. And so this kingdom character has only ever been embodied in one person, in Jesus Christ. Jesus himself empties himself of all glory, right? When he leaves heaven and becomes man becomes poor and humble. He mourned over the sinfulness around him, but not because he thought he was better, but because he loved the people who were sinning. He was merciful and he was pure and he was despised for it. He was persecuted for his character so that we might know the love of God. So that our character might become more like his character. Jesus died for those who realize that they have dug themselves into a hole too deep to dig themselves out of. Jesus died for those who aren't just poor and hungry, but who realize that they're actually poor and hungry for God. Who actually realize they're poor and hungry for Jesus. Who realize the righteousness they're hungry for is actually a person. Because the character that Jesus will develop in his kingdom people is a character that is continually dependent upon him. Look at the progression again. And Frederick Dale Bruner talks about this. He says, the first four um, Beatitudes, it's, it's almost like you've got a person on his knees with his hands up. I'm poor, and I'm mourning, and I'm hungry, and I'm needy. And then you see a progression where this person is almost on their feet and they're walking and their hands are extended to other people because they're merciful and they're peacemakers. You understand? But the last person is on the ground because other people have thrown him back down. He said the progression is really simple. You are dependent upon God and he fills you, but he doesn't fill you so that you're no longer dependent upon God. He's going to put you right back down so you feel your dependence upon him. Those who love, love with somebody else's love. Those who are merciful, are merciful because they've received mercy, because they understand they're poor in spirit, their hands are out, and they serve, and they're down, and they're out, right? Do you understand? This is kingdom character. Kingdom dependence acknowledges that the only spiritual riches we will ever need are given to us in Jesus, The only real God-honoring love and mercy is really a sharing of what we've already received from God. And what Jesus seems to be saying is that kingdom life is hard at times. And when life and people make our faith feel weak, we have to remember that we were poor in the first place. Fill us, Jesus, so that we can continue to love others in your name. This is why... We need him to speak to us regularly. And that's what he's doing right now. Believe it or not, his word is opened. And as faithfully as I can, I'm telling you what Jesus has to say to us so that he can fill you. And then we do this in small groups so that we can share in community and say, I'm pretty poor. Are you pretty poor? I am bankrupt. Jesus, fill us. And we get together with each other. We talk about our lives and talk about Jesus when you do this. How are you doing? You always say, not as good as I should be. Right. You're poor. And Jesus will fill you. We need him. Here's the thing. He will show up when you understand who you are. Needy for Jesus when you cry out for him to meet you, he will meet you, but he will change you. But he doesn't leave you, he doesn't give you a life that looks like the blessing that, you know, has the great filter on Instagram. Often it leads to hardship. But he's there, giving us what we need, ultimately himself. You can't manufacture this kind of character. Jesus had to die to make it possible to be yours. And if you'll receive him by faith alone, like I said, life won't necessarily be easier, but you will be rich in him. And you will learn to love others in the way that you were meant to learn to love others. And if you feel poor, it's a good place to be. So let's ask God to help us now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Beatitudes. And we ask that you would fill us. We ask that you would show us our poverty, that you would give us a healthy and realistic self-awareness of who we are, and that is impoverished. Uh, And we ask that you would change us, that you would make us to be merciful, that we would care about others, but that we would love you, and the two go hand in hand. And so we ask that you make us dependent, that you meet us, and that Penn State would be better because of it. We praise in Christ's name. Amen.